Welcome to Conversations with Quiet Leaders. My name is Juliet Morris. I believe there is greatness in leading and building teams through powerful listening, what's being said and what's being heard. In this podcast, you'll hear from quiet leaders who are being more bold, more brave and more comfortable with who they are. Hello, today I'm delighted to welcome Jill Chang and uh, Jill is an enterprise integration strategist. Uh, so welcome, Jill. I, I Actually, I'd love to learn a little bit more about what you do. Oh, thanks, uh, Julia, for having me here. Uh, yes, I'm, yes, it's a pleasure to, to, to have this conversation, also share uh, what I do and also uh, in terms of my own experience uh, being in IT and also um, in terms of the, the, the areas that I focus on and the, the problem I'm um, helping the company to, to resolve. So um, I'm a, yes, I'm title, it's an enterprise integration. Um, I think some people call me enterprise architect, enterprise mm-hmm. integration architect, and, and now I sort of call myself enterprise integration strategies because um, I wanted to um, basically address, I mean, integration is not just at the technical level, but also you need to sort of look at the whole um, aspect in terms of how your organization, how your people, how your process and data all come sort of together. So that's why uh, I'm sort of positioning myself as the enterprise integrations architect and, and the strategies. And also every organization, you know, it's a, uh, they, they all have a different, um, different resources, different fundings, and also business model are totally different. So it's not like a one size fits all approach and always it has to be tailored for, for individual company. And that's why I think in terms of that approach, in terms of that strategy and the, how I'm helping the company come up with the, the best uh, approach to that address their specific integration challenge. And that's, that's what I do. You work in the IT industry, so tell us a bit about how how that came about and how you then transitioned to be a consultant. Uh, Yeah, so I studied in computer science, so I think that was sort of a a nature uh, past like when I start my career as so a programmer and the and also in my early career I work in the consultancy so like Accenture and Deloitte so mm-hmm. I think I familiar with this uh, sort of a consulting uh, environment but I guess now um, when you say okay how I transition to consultancy the differences is um, before I was a consultant whether for um, a consultancy or as an individual freelancer, I think I feel like I was working for someone else. I was still, I was employed and uh, maybe I'll follow still uh, a certain, I think the company in terms of um, the way they do things and also um, they, in terms of the, the format, the style. But I guess now um, being the entrepreneur <laughs> a consultant, mm. that, that's how I um see the differences is after being in the con- uh, industry for 20 years, maybe there's a better way to serve the customer. Maybe there's a better way to engage with the customers. And they, and also on the other side, I I like the, the flexibility, I think to, to work um, anywhere and also um, be able to um, engage with the, probably the, the project or have the 
opportunity to choose the project that I like to engage with. So I think that's another reason, the driver that um, I'm thinking moving into, yes, I mean, being an independent consultant and or running, starting a, a little, my, my own little consulting services. Mm -hmm. And so I could uh, shape it um, and run it in the way that I think that uh, um, probably resonate with me and also I, I think I can help the client yeah uh, getting probably the more value yes I think uh, helping the client achieve more in a way that I I think I could help. I love that and as you were talking I was thinking how relevant is that for today because the world of work is changing and for me that's really exciting what you talked about seemed to fit into that really nicely. I'd love to know what parts of quiet leadership resonate with you? Quiet leadership, I think at the beginning, um, or in the work environment, usually I think the completely, exactly the opposite of the quiet leadership is probably loud leadership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think in my career, when I started, I, I mentioned I started in a consultancy and I was in Taiwan and also I was in uh, my first job was with TSMC, now is the world's top uh, 10 most valuable company. And I think I started in the environment that was very competitive. So um, the, the environment is you always, yeah, you, you have to sort of um, uh, show yourself and also uh, be very vocal and they get your voice heard and uh, and then be seen as well. So I think that's sort of uh, the, the environment I I start my career with. And, uh, and then that's sort of how I initially learned and or thought, okay, that's, that's how it should be. If you wanted to progress in your career, that's how you should do it um, to get, get, um, get there. But it doesn't really sort of resonate with my um, I would say it's not nature to my own personality. And the, and also um, I often get told that I got a soft voice. So mm -hmm. I think usually that being seen as maybe a, a weakness. And, and then I don't think that's necessary, but I think it's just like I, in for a while, I feel like I have to, um, in order to progress, in order to survive, I mean, do what I do in, the, in this sort of a consulting or uh, IT environment, I feel like, I have to just sort of a copy that kind of communication style. And, um, and I, I think for some time, I felt it didn't really work well with mm. my, my, myself. And I think after the years, I mean, for building the experiences, I start to, yeah, I think they, the experience really helps. I think that start, you start to say, okay, not everyone's told you what it's all accurate because now you build your experience, you build your own knowledge to justify those um, information and I think then you develop your own opinion your uh, own view and uh, and then you start to sort of um, yeah sometimes you share that or challenge the the current the status quo and then you realize actually some people they do appreciate that that opinions or that voice and I start to sort of build the confidence from there and I think that's where and then I think that's um, also yeah it's probably different culture I think Back mm -hmm. then, when I was in Asia and also in a sort of a more competitive environment, and now later I say moved to to UK. I think here it's more um, sort of 
the environment is more inclusive and more international, more diverse. And I think that certainly, I think in some environment, I feel, yes, um, is feel more supported, yes. It's interesting you talked about uh, the, the environments because in one of my episodes, I talked to Sophie, who was in Taiwan, and we talked about whether there was um, some correlation between the environments in that country to environments in others. Yeah, that's certainly true. I think when I was in, in school or um, as a child with my parents, we were always told, um, yes, um, to, to respect the, the systems and the, the hierarchy, mm. the seniors. And we, we're not really encouraged to, to have a voice. And uh, yes. You talked about recognizing it at childhood and then through work. And then how you found those environments where you felt more comfortable in, you know, being who you are. How did you change then your approach and, and then feel comfortable? Because the, the, was there a transition or was it automatic in the environments that you're in? I think I'm comfortable with who I am right now. Um, it's just because the experience has helped. And I think now it's more about being consciously choosing um, yes, the environment that's where I could do the best work. Yes. Mm. I don't know whether that makes sense because yeah, I think, it does. because I think there is like, um, stressful situation. Like for example, uh, we don't have the budget or we have a very tight, uh, daylight that we have to, to meet, but sometimes you will find a lot of energy is probably being um, sort of um, being stuck into that dealing with more sort of this, um, um, how to say, non-core work issues. Yes. And then I think sometimes we have to be mindful. I think there are different people, I think, especially in, in the work. I'm not saying that um, when, when people are not agree with you and you don't work with them it's not what I'm saying it's more about some environment it's probably it's just probably more toxic or negative I think it's not necessarily about in terms of addressing the problems yeah itself sometimes it maybe people have probably slight different agendas and I think that's usually it's very hard to 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 they work with yeah mm -hmm. I think in in some situations because what I do is always, yeah, we, we do that transformation programs and they also we do sometimes, yeah, lots of uh, merchant acquisition. So always you're going to face a sort of a challenging situation. Like some people are going to leave, some people, uh, they probably don't like the change, they resist. But I think in the end is, um, but th those are common, I think, but people, they, uh, some of these are sort of a business decisions. And then sometimes mm. um, I think, some people, they probably take it personally and they also, they wouldn't cooperate and it makes the, the work very difficult itself. Then I think sometimes those are the situation I think we have to recognize, I think in terms of how much energy and effort that could impact to the wider things. You also talked to me before about being in that male dominated environment. How have you navigated that? Because you have been in IT for your whole career. Yes, I would say when I start uh, in my career, I probably always stay the minority in the teens. 
Um, maybe not just because I'm maybe lady, but also maybe I'm like the youngest in, often in, in the team, mm. um, like playing in the enterprise architecture teams. And, but I think it brings others along the way with you and also um, especially convince or selling idea, yeah, communicating idea to the, the senior team members or even the junior or other team members yeah when you when you sort of um, need to drive the the change um i think the the question is in those environments i think i'm probably yes not just the a lady but also the the youngest i think for being the lady i think initial challenge that i had is whether people take you seriously yeah, because people say, okay, uh, yeah, she looks like uh, just a, a fresher, uh, fresh graduate because I think Asian tend to look a bit younger than their actual age. So sometimes, and also because I play, I, I have a soul voice, sometimes, yeah, it's like when you talk something serious, but people not necessarily take it seriously. Yeah. And they, and then how to get their attention and how to, yeah, um, have them to, take it seriously and uh, discuss it with you. And I, I think that's, that's one part. And also sometimes is, you know, that the, the recommendation you put forward and also the advice you're giving forward is valid, but sometimes it's being overtalked just by others, just because they are uh, maybe being in the position longer or whether they have more uh, um, masculine or louder voice. So, and then sometimes when in the room, and I think a lot of senior stakeholders, they probably not necessarily have the, I'll say, in-depth knowledge to validate whether what information you present is correct or not. They just don't have that, that understanding to, to okay. validate that details. And so sometimes it's very easily in those situations, whoever talks like probably the loudest or with the most confidence, they get accepted. You talked about being a younger person then, as well as being female, as then also coupled with being quieter and introverted. Tell me how you succeeded. So how I handle those situations now is, because um, I know that I am very analytic and usually it's also not how I want to uh, project myself and then be in the room and shout over the, across the table. <laughs> Usually those, um, how say, a lot of the endless debates on oh, who is, uh, which technology is better, which solution is better, or, and sometimes they're just like, they're all right, but they just like, they don't have the full information together or they don't see uh, the perspective from a different positions where I could put all this information together and uh, capture all these different perspectives, analyze it to provide that clarity and insight. So it becomes very easy for people that help them to, to lead to their own decision or conclusions. And that's where I find out is that that information that is, is very valuable because when, when you have the facts that speak for itself, it's much easier than, um, Yes, and having people just talking, you know, continuing still uh, in a circle, but not actually moving forward. That's one one way in terms of how I play my my strengths and also uh, where I embedded my experience and knowledge and this, those uh, expertise areas. And also, um, and I know sometimes it's not just about the data. Sometimes you need to get people enthusiastic about things when you want to motivate mm. them to do something. 
And I think that's also something I think this combination of the two. And I think I'm not very corporate, so I'm not like a very, I'll say, say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I think sometimes I, um, I speak with a passion, I think, because I truly believe what I, um, I, I do and I like what I do. And I do believe how it could change. Yeah, currently, yeah, make a differences to currently how company or we, how we do things. And when you speak with a passion, when you have a belief, and then I think that naturally moves people. Yeah, it's not necessary that you're trying to sell or convince. It's truly from the position that I feel like I can help. I can add a value. Yeah, I love that. Being you by being passionate about what you do and believing what you do, that then your voice comes through naturally. So whether it's, you know, initially backed up by data or the analytics and then talking about it passionately, you're able to then influence and persuade and be comfortable with your voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's uh, sort of a try to find out what works for me, what resonates with me, mm. with me, and also what my strengths are, and it sort of combine that, yeah, and apply yeah. it in the handling in those some of the difficult situations. What points did you become passionate enough that you felt comfortable to talk then? Because the, the method, I would imagine it was an evolution, but there must have been some sort of point that you look back on and go, that's when I truly believed in what I was doing. Yeah, so um, that's the reason I choose to specialize in integrations because I did a lot of, uh, yeah, probably hundreds of IT uh, <laughs> projects. <laughs> yes, and not like company, but even, you know, in large organization under the company, it's easy. Mm. You have like a 10, 20 continuously, yeah, projects. So it doesn't matter what technology it is. I find out in the end, it's always integration challenge. And also, I remember um, one of my peers, I think when I was in the consulting firm, they said, well, the problem that can be resolved by technology are not real problems. Those, the pro real problem cannot be resolved by technology are other problems. <laughs> and then that's why, and then when I found through the observation of my career and I started to find out actually integration, it's not just a technical integration, but also how you are sort of a, taking other aspects into account mm. in terms of yeah people process and the also different team and how different programs and priorities I think that's part that how you can create that big picture how you can join all these different moving part together I find that part is very interesting and also I find out as a lady or female um, we are more patient and we are more pay attention to detail probably in, in uh, many circumstances. So we willing to take time, yes, I mean, to understand the problems and they and connect them. And I think um, and also uh, my, myself, I am um, I'm a very organized person, I think. <laughs> At home, I see my partner constantly. Yes, uh, we, we have this debate, like he, he complained, I have too many boxes because I like to put everything into a box yeah. and then calculate them and organize them. Yeah. And then, which is, I feel it's the same for company, for organizations, all these different technologies. And they, it's, 
when you face that complexity, it's where to start. Yes, and the first thing is you start to, from very high level, organize them, put them into the box, categorize them, and they and then start to say, okay, how which how things are flow better, and then and they, and then sort of a declutter, and they and also make sure that a. It's organized in a way that resonates with your sort of daily routine or in terms of a company working habits or how the company, yeah, what their business model looks like. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. It's interesting. Also, it reflects into your home life too. Yes, because I just thought, well, um, and then because all these experiences sort of helped me to feel like integration is always a part that no one really. It's hard to grasp because. It's sort of embedded in everywhere, and when you're doing the technology implementing, whether、uh, a CRM or ERP or whatever、mm-hmm. solutions, you you got a specialist coming in to do that specific, yeah, to put that technology in place and implement it. But then, how it's going to connect with the rest of organization? How people are going to use it? And they see the system. They need to talk to each other. But that part is usually, yeah, who going to take ownership? Who going to to lead that? To to Combine, join them together, and、um, and I think sometimes you need insider person, yeah,、mm. to because then you know how because outside they can come in what's the best practice, but inside you know exactly where your is your bottleneck, where's your pain points, yes, and you、yeah. have to be able to join this two and come up with the best approach, yeah, 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 yeah I love that, yeah. So let's let's, let's talk about being a, a woman in IT. A woman in tech. Do you see that improving? Because I mean, there are there are pockets. You know, the larger organisations are putting huge amounts of effort into women in IT and women in tech, and yet we're still seeing, you know, children in school, you know, girls in particular, are dipping out of that subject. So, how how do you see that that world at the moment? Uh, I certainly say a lot of、um, support and、um, and from large organizations. Yeah, they、mm. certainly put that onto their agenda in、um, agenda in terms of、um, gender equality, in terms of diversity, and the target, the headcount that they need to recruit,、mm. and especially try to balance that、uh, in terms of the female、um, that. In IT,、uh, I remember that I was、uh, even received a recruiter call from、uh, one of the big fours. They say,、mm. "Well, they're looking for female architects, and their target is they try to、uh, meet fifty fifty percent. Yeah, fifty fifty、um, in terms of the、uh, female and the male. Yeah, in their、mm. IT consulting、uh, space." I was like, "Wow, that's a very very ambitious." And、uh, and the recruiter really yeah scratching their heads. We don't know where to find these people. <laughs> yeah,、yes. yeah, it's a challenge. And my 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 sense is that from talking to people is that women are exiting corporate life because of what's happened with the pandemic over the last year. I think it's going to be an interesting twelve twenty four months as to how companies are keeping their talent and also then attracting them back in. Seeing it differently, you know, there isn't a just be permanent or just be freelance. Maybe there's, there, there, I think there needs to be that blend of both. Yes, I I certainly agree. I think I, for me, I'm not against being permanent. I think it's a lot of times. Yes, for me, it's whether 
yes, I feel like um, in terms of that working style and in, in mm. also the flexibility I have and uh, being uh, um, in the part of the larger, larger organizations or whether it's better to be, yes, on my own. I think it's, yeah, if it's a, I think there, there are many good companies out there and sometimes I do feel like, oh yes, I want you to be part of it because you got the support, you got colleagues and sometimes working your, on your own, you do feel a bit more isolated. And they, but I think um, it's now, in terms of what I do, I guess it's also maybe I sort of a, a, giving myself a, a a different challenge because I want to see how where this could take me and um, I think also on the way I enjoyed the, the new skill and experience I, I built up yeah on the way mm. and I think no matter what happens in the future even if one day if I take a role um, in any yeah corporate environment I'm I'm sure yes those skills will be, be useful mm. Mm. yes and also I think for for ladies I think um, it is quite challenge because I I know it probably also depends by depends on the industries and or depends on the job functions and um, not necessary IT because mm. I, I have other um, uh, a lot of other female friends they are also yeah uh, working professional they um, I think it always yes yeah, a challenge for them to to balance the the work life and the family life, especially um, when mm. you start having children, and they you need to be more flexible and mm. and uh, yeah, I, I think the whether the company provide that sort of flexibility and the support, I think that's very important. It's a, a key decision for them to decide whether they're going to be out or going to stay. Yeah, continue mm. their career. And sometimes it is pity just because they have lots of experience. It's not really a matter about their time spent in the uh, working during that office hour. It's the years of experience. Yes, they have accumulated. Yes, and then the, whether they could add a value and contribute in a way, but not just sort of calculated by that physical time and hours that need to be in the office. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, well, where we talked about uh, girls and education, what what tips do you have for people? I mean, even teenagers who maybe don't recognise IT as you know a valid profession. Because it's interesting. A couple of years ago, I was doing a, a careers workshop in a school, uh, in a secondary school, and the girls the few girls I spoke to said you know I'm not interested in IT I don't want to go into it and so I asked them what they did you know at home what do they like to do well they love playing computer games or YouTubing and I and I said but that is computers isn't it that is computers yeah. and what was really interesting is there was one girl who said that I don't want to do anything I just want to play computer games and I asked her why she enjoyed it and she said it was all around the strategy and the planning to and the tactical things to make those right moves to ultimately win the game but that's what she was learning and I think there's much more than to IT and tech than just the label of IT and tech because all the all the problem solving all the strategy all the creativity that you do is immensely valuable for work immensely valuable yeah so, so I wondered um 
based on your experience in, in coming through that is what tips would you give for you know young girls or younger people who want to go into IT but aren't necessarily a, a coder or a project manager you know or some, some someone like that yes um, I would say it's probably a very generic answer and be open-minded and explore because I think the stereotype of thinking is okay if you go into IT you're going to be a coder you're going to be a programmer mm -hmm. but now it's so um there's so many people working in IT and so it doesn't matter which industries even though you are just in the retail retailer uh, or uh, um, or a cashier I mean you you have to interact with the technology all the time mm -hmm. and they and i think uh, when it when we are designing the uh the system and it's not just about how the system is built but also how you're using it and uh, how it helping uh solving the actual the real business challenge of the real world problems and they sometimes mm -hmm. yes you need a business solutions, not necessarily all technical solution mm -hmm. but understanding how technology can enable it so I think have that wider, I think, um, understanding and sort of be able to, uh, how to say, have that wider perspective and how things sort of interrelate to each other. I think that will be um, useful. Yes, I think that's probably my my tips for because <laughs> i i find out because i think that from speaking from my 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 own experience now looking at the um, children's at home in terms of what they learn in school when people they they all think about it is about programming but mm. i think it's as you said it's not necessarily about the coding and programming mm. yes i think mm. it's how it's going to be applied and then also uh, now, even though we, we talk about artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, how to make a robot more like a human, right? So mm -hmm. it's how to, how to let the robot learn from being a human or how we can teach them or train a robot. So those are not necessary, um, sort of a, just a, um, like the technical aspect, you need also some human elements mm -hmm. And the, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the curiosity enough to want to almost like solve a problem. Um, we went to a, a National Trust a couple of weekends ago and it was the first time, um, and I loved it because I love technology anyway, but we saw a robotic lawnmower, you know, one of those. Yes. Uh, and my son was really excited going, wow, you know, because it'd been programmed and it had the docking station on the side and you could see it intuitively going round and... You know, and that's the problem it's solving. Because his discussion at school was, well, a robot's going to replace jobs, replace humans. And that's the big discussion always, isn't it? So we were saying, well, actually, that person could go off and do something much more valuable rather than spending the whole day mowing the lawn. So, you know, it's looking at it a different way and being curious about it and exploring mm -hmm. what that could look like. Yes, actually, I, I would like the younger generation to look at how we can not to work like a robot anymore. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I feel like we designed the, the robot is to, to have them to take away the job that we do, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah. And we feel like a lot of us, we probably say, oh, we feel like we work like a machine. 
And uh, and then the reason to have a robot is that they can free us, so we can be more humans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's you got it nailed on the head. You know, they could do the chores for us, yes. and we can do the things that we really are passionate about and would really love to do. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the answer to time management, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, because I'm also in a way I scared. Now we do a lot of this uh, promotion and you know, encourage a lot of people going into IT, but what about other other sectors, you know, the science or other mm. other part of the business, um, mm. I'll say. It's about finding that balance. I think, of course, there's a shortage about, yeah, the IT resources. We need to get more people into that workforces. But also, um, I, I think it's, yes, um, maybe we also need to think, yeah, whether it's always finding the balance when you're trying to encourage everyone to go, everyone suddenly all jump into that 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 areas. But then mm. whether that will be out of the balance, I mean, one day, yes, I mean, down the line, a few years later, we don't know yeah yeah absolutely thank you to to wrap up what three tips would you give for quieter people who want to progress in the world of it first tip i will say find the role models that you um you like or that feels like okay that's that resonates with me that style is something i feel yeah it's it's something i um that speak with me so I think because when you started, I think uh, what I learned is at the time I didn't have that many role models in, mm. when, when I started. Not many female and uh, in IT and the, even at the senior management level, there's a very little, uh, yeah, very, very few uh, ladies. Mm. Yes. So I think there were just not many role models. And it's also that you copy the, the style from the people that's uh, probably been in those positions and uh, mm -hmm. is what I didn't have at the time. But the thing now these days, there's so many uh, inspiring female um, leaders out there and that helps to that show, yes. And give it, um, sort of like provide a very good um, example role model that helps to inspire others, um, I think younger, uh, generations of women yeah to 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 po pursue their careers and show what is possible so i think seek the role models and um and then also the voice that resonate with you so the second is pay attention to and observe yourself and then i think this is probably not something quick it's it's you're going to sort of watching yourself and then pay attention to finding your own style and the strengths. Uh, I think over the time and see what works, what doesn't work. So, and then so how to combine that. Yeah, what's resonant with you. I think that's how you can use that to your advantage. I think that's mm. probably, yeah, well, I would say it's the, the second step. And then the third is, um, yeah, taking actions. Uh, I would say, because um, as an introvert, I know that, and also being an innovative person, I know like we often, we're more self-critics um, in terms of, yes. okay, we have to wait until it's perfect and the way someone too shy to, to get out there. And I would say, well, the, I find out the best thing to, to learn and grow is always taking action. Yes, even though um, it's not perfect, but I would say, yeah, take imperfect actions and it's rather than taking no action. Really great tips. And I agree to do something, take that action 
and then learn from it and then take another action and then and then you'll learn as you said you learn and evolve and you adapt and understand your own style brilliant conversation thank you so much jill i really appreciate your time oh thank you yes i'm glad to to be here and then share my stories thank you thank you for listening i love to talk and work with people and businesses who want to achieve more I challenge their thoughts to create possibility. Anyone can be part of the conversation. Leave me a message, ask a question and connect with me. 